0: The That's what it says in the beginning of the Parsha of Tetzaveh Which you don't get to give separate attention to every year But this year we do, so it says you'll make clothing sacred for Aaron, your brother Like a directive to Moshe Rabbeinu And then you have these words, with V'tiferet are very hard words because they could mean anything anything you think of could be kavod or tiferet and so it makes the pasuk very difficult because after all God directed Moshe Rabbeinu to make the clothing and in the chumash there's an ex- extensive description of what the clothing of the Kohen looks like and in fact, if you take any of these books that they use to teach children these parshiyot, um, you'll see a kohen dressed uh, in clothing which is very appropriate. Is very appropriate to the <coughs> yeah, it, it, it's very appropriate to what it says in the Chumash. I mean, the Chumash can be reconstructed somehow. Uh, of course, in certain books, the Kohen Gadol looks like a Haredi in Meisharim, and in other books, the Kohen Gadol looks a little more modern. But the clothing that he wears, which is based on the description in the Chumash, is pretty much the same. So what does that mean? Le <laughs> I mean, what could that, what could that possibly mean? Uh, so it's a, it's a problem. I mean, as far as I can tell. So it's a problem. The chabad eret. What possible addition? To the clothing of the kohen gadol, could the words kavod and tif eret describe? That's the question. Now we're going to look at two sources and come to what I think is a kind of a radical conclusion. But we'll look at these two sources uh, carefully. The first is the Ramban. First, is the Ramban: kavod utif eret sheye u umeforar." You should be honored and, uh, you know, like rich, very rich, the clothing that you wear. Clothing that is nichbad and mifoar. He's talking about human terms even though the Rabban was a Kabbalist, and we'll see his Kabbalistic opinion later, a little further on, <coughs> here he's not talking about, he's not talking about Kabbalah. He's talking about going uh, to spend a thousand dollars or you buy a dress that in another year will be sold for a hundred dollars in some, you know, East lower east side uh, shop. That's Pe'er. Pe'er is valuable. Kemosha Moshe Amara Pe'er The Pasuk connects kohein Pe'er, Chatan. Right? You know the Chatan, you get married, you get all dressed up, even if you don't usually get dressed up. Ki Now listen to the Ramban. Ramban, this is the same Ramban that we hear all about all the time. They, he says, "Ki malchutu." Hey, the Ramban says there's a category of clothing called lebushay malchut, the clothing, the princely clothing, the kingly clothing, right? Something like that, right? In other words, they, they, they're not, it's not religious. It's not religious clothing that we're talking about. It's not the way we imagine that the Kohen Gadol could all go into the Beit HaMikdash who is wearing these set of clothes or the other set of clothes. We don't think about the clothes. But here the Rabban says, <inaudible> Bismana Torah. And and in the time of the Torah, the kings in the world <coughs> would wear this kind of clothing princely clothing. In other words, there are clothing that sets the king apart. He's not like everybody else. He wears clothing that only he can wear. And you know That the Torah demanded that one of the strings of the tzitzit should be colored tcheilet. Remember? Mm -hmm. Now tcheilet is is a dye. That's how they did it. It was a dye. It is a dye came from a fish or something like that. Now we lost. We lost the dye. We, Am Yisrael, we didn't know how to do it anymore. All the tzitzit in the world, I mean, until very modern times, which I'll just tell you about also, until modern times, there was no tchelet. I mean, they didn't know how to do it. They figured that they should do it the way they used to do it, but they didn't know how they used to do it. They didn't know what animal it was, whether it was a snail or a mussel or a of which you were able to get the die and there were attempts very interesting attempts over the years to uh, to find this this die you may have heard that the regina Hasidim the Rebbe thought that he had found the die in Italy or nearby Italy, you know Italy is somehow on the Mediterranean whatever it's called <coughs> he thought he had found it and all the Chassidim started using his um, his recipe for Tichelet but eventually it was proven to be mistaken there was Zinner the Rebbe who was a genius and learned all kinds of things it was proven by Rav Herzog Rav Herzog, grandfather of The guy who's running to become the next Prime Minister of Israel. So his grandfather was the first Chief Rabbi of the State of Israel. His grandfather, Rav Herzog, who was also a a genius and a great uh, Torah scholar, during World War II, I mean all of these things, uh, during World War II he had nothing to do, he was in Ireland. And he had no books because people looking for books don't go to Ireland. He had no, no sforum. So he found it, like he didn't know what to do with himself. So he went to the university, and he did two doctorates during the war. And one of those doctorates was on royal purple. One of his doctorates. And he proved that the Radzina Rebbe was wrong. And then, <coughs> interestingly enough, a group of young people who live some in uh, Efrat and some in Maladumim got together and felt that they had discovered the missing link between those little animals and the purple, because they couldn't get purple out of it. And they discovered they discovered that the sun, that the light of the sun. When it comes into contact with the juice that comes out of these little animals, these fish, they're not fish; they're like little animals, uh, turns into purple, and that's the that is the royal purple. And since then, they've been trying to sell everybody on the on this idea that chalas does exist, that it is discovered. I'm telling you this for a totally different reason. Why do you think? Why did they lose it? I mean, how could you lose it? I mean, people making scissors all the time. So how did they lose this purple? The animal, the purple, the sun. How did they lose it? Apparently, <coughs> it's a reasonable guess that the that the um, um, what's my guess? The reasonable guess is that the Romans. The Romans said, they passed a bull, an edict, or something like that, that no one is allowed to use royal purple. Because only the king is allowed to wear clothing with that color. So they had this set, and and because of that, people stopped making uh, tcheles for tzitzes. And eventually they forgot what it was that they were supposed to do and how to do it. And, uh, you know, it's it's rejuvenated in our time by these uh, young people who are selling, who are selling tzels. What I meant to tell you from this story was that this notion that there are things that the king can wear that nobody else can wear has not only to do with the cloth and with the strings and with the embroidery, and but it also has to do with the use of the color. You can't use royal purple if you're not the king of Rome. That was the that was the the, the situation. So he says the rabban says second line Kid yil that the that the that the uh, kings in the world would wear the kind of clothes that the Kohanim and the Kohen Gadol especially were supposed to wear. And you remember it says, ketonet, the cloak, an outer garment was made for Yosef by Yaakov as a sign of him being special. So according to the Ramban, this makes sense in the context of the people who lived at that time, the kings who lived at that time in, uh, in Eretz Israel. Chepei show kemet Kidmut Pasim, like it's embroidered with lines of embroidery going down, and this was like a very special kind of... <coughs> <coughs> Folks, so you understand why the brothers, why Yosef's brothers got really angry, because here, what, what is Yaakov saying to Yosef? You're the man. You're going to wear the special clothing. And there was no way he couldn't make it up to the other brothers by giving them also ketonet pasim, because that's that was exactly the point that only somebody can wear ketonet pasim, but not everybody. And that's what vehi uh, ketonet tashbet, kemoshe peirashi, and all these words to ketonet hashbeitz, which is embroidered in in squares. Right, it was very 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 uh pet uh, special uh will be jok ben malge kedem he dressed him like one of the kings of those early all, early years ve ge aderech bemeil ve The same thing is true about a meil and a ketonet the two outer garments ve katuv ketonet pasim ki uh, so he, he, he talks about uh, the story of, of Tamar, who was the daughter of a king and she got dressed up uh, in, in the way that daughters of kings get dressed up. Right? You know, in other words, this idea, this idea that everybody wears clothing that are an indication of the team, and the status within that team is something that the Ramban takes for granted. And so according to the Ramban, what does the Chavodl mean? It's not enough to have gold and silver and special kinds of ornaments on the clothing, but they have to be princely or kingly. Right? And, and, and that, that his explanation says that Chavodl Teferet doesn't have anything to do with the Kabbalistic notion it has just to do with the fact that there's fancy it doesn't matter what the ingredients of the clothing are but there's fancy and not so fancy and we're talking about fancy we're talking about special that's what, <coughs> that's what he's supposed to do <speaking> we saw in Tamar this ketonet pasim it was seen and it was uh, um, obvious. And they would wear these kind of clothing, this outer garment that you could wrap yourself, wrap around yourself. That this ketonet pasimah that she was wearing was a outer garment, the garment that you wear on top of the garment. amar veketonet aleha And then you know she was uh, unhappy, and she ripped up the uh, the outer garment that she was wearing. But it was the outer garment because that was the one that you could rip up most easily, right? It was. Uh, <coughs> So if I try to uh, if I try to understand what the rabban is saying, I think it's clear that the rabban thought that kavod v'tif eret was a statement about the quality of the of the clothing that the kohen gadol had to wear, and the clothing that he had to wear could only be described as princely or kingly. But the kinds of, uh, I mean, you can still see it in the world, you know, when uh, Queen Elizabeth opens up Parliament. You know, she definitely wears clothing that nobody else would be interested in wearing. But it's hers. She's the only one who could wear it. (coughs) No one else would dare wear the clothing that she wears when she opens the Parliament. Gideon, have I got it right? I have it right. So, so, so it's so. It's to me, it's a kind of a, it's kind of surprising, isn't it, that here you have an opening, kavod be I mean, anybody could make a little something out of that. Along comes the Ramban, who is really for many of us the teacher of kabbalistic ideas, the one whose perush on the Torah includes. More Kabbalah than any other than any other commentary, and here he has this opening, Kavod Tiferet, and he says, "No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something else. We're talking about about princely, kingly, special, unique, right? That's something that people will be able to relate to." Then he goes on, and he says, "Betznevi Yudu you do Gam Hayom a kind of hat, right? You remember the olden times—the olden times that we know about. Everybody wore a hat. <laughs> Nobody went without blouson cop, as um, I used to hear at home. Between the game without blouson cop, where did that come from? You can't go, can't go out of the house with your head uncovered. It's just not proper. It's not proper, and then in 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 modernity. We've basically done away with the hats. The only people who wear hats today are Yeshiva guys, and no one else wears a hat, and that I know of. Anyway, so he says the Mitsnepet. This hat that the Kohen wore—you do what? Gama Yom the the Sarim believe great kings. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're looking around here. <laughs> Okay, there are some holdovers. You know, you can you can fall in love with your hat just like you can fall in love with anything else. But. Uh, so, Cow- I mean, what? Cowboys always were. Cowboys, yeah, but there are no cowboys anymore. No, they, they, you, you can't buy a hat. at a non-religious. Uh, Like a fedora, what they used to call a fedora, a regular hat. You can't buy them. You have to come to Israel to buy a hat. Because it's the only place where people wear hats. I mean, there used to be a time when uh, the President of the United States, when he was outside and being sworn into something, would always wear a hat. What? Kennedy? But he didn't change it, he went along with the group. I mean nobody wore a hat, so he didn't wear a hat. But he changed it for the president. Presidency maybe. So anyway, binefola malchut, So the Pasuk says if the if the king falls, if the monarchy falls, take off your hat. Stop wearing your hat. The hat was a sign of sta- of station. And there was only one hat that the king wore. Just one hat. One hat. Rabbi he's <coughs> he says the second line of the second paragraph, line 9. V'chein katuv melucha. Also kind of a hat that belongs to the king. V'kach Okay the 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 most beautiful of the hats. Beautiful uh, flaxen hats will be on their their heads. Uh, they folded the choshen, this breastplate. And the thing which had the, which had the, the, uh, the stones in it, you know, for the, the, for the twelve tribes, he says that's levush malchut. He says the rabban, even those things that you think were special, were something connected to the to the <coughs> to the kohen gadol. Especially, even they, even they are malchut. Have to do with mevakei uh, yifreim. Uh, I'm sorry, shei there. They are beautiful, praiseworthy for those who wear them. i the The is a breastplate. Made of gold. Which is hung around your neck. Right? So that's, that's also, again, he's emphasizing the fact that Daniel, well, he wasn't talking about the coin godel, he was talking about, he was talking about something special. He was talking about this special breastplate. The Tzitz, right? You know the Tzitz that the coin wore on his head under the Mitznefet, right? There was a hat and there was a Tzitz which was tied with ribbons and it said Kodesh shem on it so he says so you think there you have it I mean Kodesh Lashem." it can't be more obvious than that but it's something to do with with some Kabbalistic idea so he says "But uh, I'm sorry I'm sorry me mishbetzot zahav levusha. Again, you're talking about bat melech wearing special clothing. You believe our givana, is like techeilet. Till b'ashva v'naicha didava al Again, the same idea. Another pasuk. U'tcheilet gam hayom lo yahirim ishet yadolil voshkut mi melech hagoyim. He's talking about techeilet. But the story that I told you, that they lost, we lost the chalet because it became forbidden. You weren't allowed to wear any clothing colored with the color of chaylet, Except for the king of course, Suhtiv. malchut, right? Next week. Without explaining every word, you understand that there was something called the Bushbalchut that everybody knew it. That when Mordechai appeared, we knew that Mordechai had usurped the position of Haman, which apparently was the idea. That pasuk that was a chashveirosh. He preempted. He preempted the, the, the sad end of, of Homo. Okay? So here's the Ramban. Two-thirds of this Ramban are, uh, he devoted to telling us that nothing is nothing special about the words Kavod and Teveret. And who will be, will be able to explain to you what Kavod and Teveret are? Go ahead the Goyim have kings whereas the Jews in the desert the Jews in the desert did not have any kings if you had Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu had the function of a king but he wasn't a king because his children did not become kings and the nature of kingship is that it stays in the family whereas Moshe Rabbeinu lost out he acted as the king he was in charge but he was not able to be the official king of Israel, so there you have it. That's the Ramban. Now, finally, the Ramban gets to Al Derech which is the way he introduces Kabbalistic ideas. Al Derech Haemet, the Chavod of the Veret. Yomar sheyatsu begekodesh laharon l'shareit baem l'chavod Hashem hashochen betocham uleteveret Uzam. Oh, thankfully. He says there's another level of interpretation for these words kavod and tif ered. And what is that? Big la'aron, the in order to have honor, to give proper honor to God. I mean, after all, where is the Kohen Gadol going to go? Into the Beit HaMikdash. What's in the Beit HaMikdash? The presence of God. So when you go to the presence of God... It has to be, ulechavot ule uzam. Uzam is strength, the power. And, and, uh, you're, you in this situation, we'll see a year of fear of God in the Beit HaMikdash. Teferet uzam. Kirichthiv, ki teferet ki uzamu'ata. Uchthiv, Beit kacheno vittifarteinu, asher halalucha avoteinu. Vikacheno, Okay. So I don't want to, I don't want to go into this. I'm more interested in in the other side of the Ramban. The Ramban says, look, there's this idea that, that you have to be, you have to be, be the best. You have to have the best clothing. And to have the best clothing, it's not enough to follow the directive of the Torah itself but you have to (coughs) you have to know (coughs) you have to know what it is that the best is and the way you could know that is by looking at the Goyim how they treat their kings and what they think princely clothing is an idea (coughs) which I think is very odd very odd so now I want to learn a little bit of the M'silat Yisharim, which is printed on this side of the page in Hebrew and the other side of the page in English. So if you want, you can look at the English and I'll read the Hebrew. Is that alright? I'm, I'm not sure that that's the best teaching strategy, but it's better for me. adata min daber ata me'inyan So the Sharim Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, who had a very um, uh, important place yeah. in modern until Jewish intellectual history, and he wrote many, many books of interest. Um, and he, of course, in the, in the manner of other great uh, Jews, he died at a very young age, near Akko, where he is... He's buried. He died. His wife died. I think his children died. There was some kind of a plague, you know, at that time that people got sick. I mean, he's he was very interesting, very interesting person who was in and out of chayyim, at different times, and you know, you know, was was able to write a book called the Maseilat Sharim, which is read and learned by. All the, the Orthodox Jews and the non Orthodox Jews. Everybody learns the book, in other words. Litvaks, like yeshiva guys, they learn the Messiah Yisharim. Hasidim also learn the Messiah Yisharim. And less religious Jews, conservative reform, they also learn the Messiah Yisharim. The first, uh, and probably maybe even today, the best translation into English of the Messiah Yisharim was done by Mordechai Kaplan who, as you know Ari not Ari no, Kaplan, Arie. I said Mordechai Arie. Kaplan Arie. who's Ari Kaplan, Arie. he's another from guy and he didn't translate the Messiah mm-hmm. to but Mordechai Kaplan who is well known for his um, reconstruction, yeah, like you know, the, the head of the he became Reconstruction, reconstruction. Wow. what? Reconstruction he was, he was the head of this idea, he, you know, of the Reconstructionist, <coughs> the Reconstructionist movement. But he also translated this Maseelat into English, which means that here's a person who didn't believe exactly in, uh, in the Orthodoxy in the way that most Orthodox Jews believe in it, thought that the book called B'Shilat Yesharim was a very important book and he wanted to make it available to people who didn't know Hebrew. So look at what the B'Shilat Yesharim said. The B'Shilat Yesharim talks about Avodah, serving God, in the 19th chapter. And he says that there are two uh, major branches to this idea of serving God. One is called Yirat Hashem, Maybe it's called Avot, Chapter Nineteen: Fear of God and Love of God. And then he says, "Fear of God is further divided into three branches. <coughs> three branches, and those three branches are Hachnaah, like to like to have humility. Boshet, uh, boshet is embarrassment." and the third is Kavov so humility and Bushan in William and Bushan I understand are things that are generated by the fact that I have fear of God so that when I stand before God in fear of God these notions start directing my actions Right? these notions <coughs> humility and embarrassment. I'm standing there. I mean, I can't say what I want to say. I can't do what I want to do. I mean, I'm standing before God. The third is called kavod in the language of the Mitzvah Yisharim. Honor. What does that mean? He says, That you have to give kavod to the mitzvahs that you do and, and honor them. <speaking in Hebrew> Chazal have already said, Remember, Shirat Zeke Li. Ze. Ze means? Pointing. Right? A dectic particle. That's what they call it. Right? Ze. So in, the, in Kabbalah, in the Kabbalah, Zeh became a very important word. Because it meant you could see beyond. Like when you point at something that the person standing next to you probably doesn't see it. That's why you're pointing. But it also means that you see something that they, they don't see. Zed. <laughs> Keli, I see God. I see my God. And I will beautify him. That Chazal, Chazal looked at that pasuk and they say, Hit na elef, mitzvot. Do the mitzvah in a pleasant, in a nice, in a... Mechubad, manner. So tzitzitna e, you should have nice tzitzes, nice tefillin, seyvetara na'eh, tulav e, vechein amru hidur mitzvah. and there's another source in Chazal, they said, how much should you pay to accomplish this mitzvah called hidur? Beautifying something. He said, actually, the Gemara says, if the standard price for an etrog is X, so you should pay X plus one third X. Right? Actually, not more than that. You have to give away everything you own to do the mitzvah, but you have to kind sort of indicate that, <coughs> that you, want, you want to do it better. You want to be you want to beautify the mitzvah and you're willing to spend money to do it. Ad kan up to a third, you could say I'm giving it, but more than a third that belongs to Kaddish Baruch. And you don't get any credit for that. spoke clearly. So here the Sedar says it's not enough to do the minimum. It's not enough to do the mitzvah, like you take the Shulchan Aruch, and you say, like, you have this, and you have that, and you have other thing, you to make a your Purim. Like you could have a Seudah, you have wine, and you drink, and you do whatever you do. He says, that's not good enough. All the mitzvot of Purim, including the Shalach Manos and the Matanos Labionim, so all of those mitzvot have to be done in a beautiful way people have to notice it they have to notice and then he goes on and he says in other words he's saying that some people are litvaks no litvaks they just do what you're supposed to do they're not going to do more than you're supposed to do, but they don't like that. So he says, there are people like that. There are people that certainly have like, the Hadra lot, see me, Somebody comes along and wants to do the mitzvah in an easier way, in a simpler way. He says, I'm not going to join these fools. Who are just adding, like you know, like a Litvak would say, "Why do you need a nice container, like a container for a lulav, a container for the matzah, a container for the challah, right, that you have on the table? Why do you need a nice one?" It's a it's a functional question, isn't it? I mean, you want to have a place to put the lulav, so you put it someplace. What's the difference if you come to shul with a uh, card cardboard box? Or you come with a silver gold in, inlaid box that obviously cost a tremendous amount of money. So what's the difference? So the Besil Yisharim is of the opinion that it makes a difference. It makes a difference, even though personally I find it difficult to uh, to uh, agree, but 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 that's what he says. In the av Khabdo he uses very strong language. If a person could, if a person could, could do something more beautifully, nicer, in a in a in a special way, you should do that. You should do that. That's kavod for the mitzvah. You should not be a minimalist in this area. You should go for the whole ball of wax. Hu Masha'anavi Malachi Mitra'eim al Yisrael, etc., etc. Okay, let's skip to the last paragraph. Hu Kvar Vehevel. And remember the story of Kayan Vehevel, he says. Vehevel hevi mi v'koyot tsono v'chalmei he brought from the the best of the sheep that he had, the Kayin. He says uh, he says Kayin. He just brought junk. He said, What well, does God need uh, for fancy fruits and fancy he brought he brought the junk? You know. Uma What happened to them? V'ashash hevel hevel vel minchato That God was approved of hevel. vel kai vel minchato lo But not kai. V'omer aru no chel V'yesh v'edro bin no'der No der. Skip this. This is a, a, a digression. But the next line. V'kvar amru imigila if you hold a Sefer Torah and it's naked, like you take off the, the, the dress of the Sefer Torah, he says, he says, Sefer Torah Arum, Nekbar Mitzvah. So this is called bizui Mitzvah. And this is something that you have to avoid. And you have to make sure that the, that Sefer Torah, that's what they say, is dressed Properly, and that that dress is something that is special. Uh, so that's the arur. Kol ochei sevatarah arum nigbar arum ebnay b'zui mitzvah v'seida halat bikurim sheyelado le'ena'im l'erot mahu hiduran shel mitzvot. I said, you know where they brought the bikurim in Yerushalayim we have learned a lesson about Hidur Mitzvah. That's, this is the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Shekach Shaninu Bikurim Pergimu Ashor Oleh Lefneheve Karnam Vitzupot Zahav The ox goes first and his horns are covered with gold. V'atarash Ozayit V'rosho And he has this crown of of uh, Zayit on his head. Otsham a shirim may be eaten the rich people would follow with golden uh uh dishes on which the bikurin would be placed and uh le mahu he i'm sorry uh, right a shirim maybe be bikuri be kalatachal zahab anyam the poor people Okay. So this is the, the, the M'silat Yisharim. I want to summarize the M'silat Yisharim. Summarize is, summary is that you have to beautify the Mitzvah. You have to beautify the Mitzvah. And I would ask the M'silat Yisharim, who was written uh, several hundred years after the Ramadan, what the M'silat Yisharim does not teach me is how do I know what beautifying a mitzvah is? I know, in the cases that he quoted, (coughs) that in the olden times, in the time of the Mishnah, adding gold was very meaningful to them, to those people. Spending a little more money was very meaningful to those people. But I'm not sure that that Holds water today. But if you just smear gold on something, that you've done the Hidur Mitzvah. I think the standards of Hidur Mitzvah today are much higher. And much higher, and it means that you have to develop. It seems to me that the Ramban and the Misaji Sharim indicate that in order to do a Mitzvah properly, it has to have hidur. It has to be especially appointed. It has to be something that people recognize. They recognize in you the need to beautify the mitzvah. And beauty, as you know, is a topic in modern day philosophy. Like what is beautiful and what is not? Uh, if you leave the Scottish Highlands... Where else are you going to find this beauty that we are talking about? So it would seem that if I asked the it seems to me that if I asked the Misilati in the question, he would say the the Gramban is not enough. It's true that in those days beauty had certain very limited expression. <coughs> Whereas today Beauty is much more profoundly, I think, uh, expressed. Beauty is not just gold and silver, ornaments, uh, clothing or cloth made from gold and silver threads. It's much more than that. I mean, we've been thinking about beauty for hundreds of years. <coughs> and therefore, it would seem to me it would seem to me that either we would continue to copy the Goyim, like we'll go to, the Goyim will open up a museum and we'll go and they'll tell us why this is beautiful, why that is beautiful, or in order to, in order to get to the point, in order to be able to say this is a beauty that could be, this is beauty that could be applied to doing a mitzvah. Unless we could do that on our own, and we would have to, we would have to study aesthetics, beauty, uh, art. It's it's a worthy enterprise because it enables you, it enables you to create beautiful mitzvot, and a beautiful mitzvah is not just a beautiful person doing a mitzvah. But there is this incremental beauty that the Misilat Yisharim is talking about. And even though he doesn't mention the Ramban, I'm sure, sure it would seem to me that the Misilat Yisharim might have been at this time thinking about the Ramban. The Ramban was very careful to tell us that there's a practical side to kavod and tiferet. And we have to go out and find it we don't have it on our own, we have to look to the people who might have it, the kings and their entourage. But in modern times, in modern times it's easier and it's harder. It's easier because there's beauty or the the assessment of beauty readily available to us. But it's harder because there's so much of it and the study of beauty or the study of art has become something so... uh, So big that it's very hard for us to follow suit. But who knows, maybe there'll be some people who would have something to say about beautifying a mitzvah. Okay. (coughs) I think I should stop talking. Stop talking.